following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. These are perilous times we live in, trouble everywhere. Weary hearts will often give in. To this world's despair But high and over all Our Father knows our every care And in His book, if you will look You'll find His promise there He who trusts in the Lord Mercy shall surround him. He who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice. You upright in heart, lift up your voice, for great is his mercy told. All who trust in the Thank you. 
reward for all who trust or the pure and just who put their trust in the Lord. For all who trust for the pure and just who put their trust in the position gained by grace. Oh Lord, I need to gain that position by grace. I ask you to bring each of us into that place. I ask that you give us victory, that Satan will not have any power over us, that he will have no hold upon us, that totally we are given now into your hand, Jesus. Do with us as you will. Do with the National Prayer Chapel as you will. Do with National Radio as you will. Lord, we are given totally into your hand. And I ask that you would make this word clear to our hearts. Lord, I cannot utter it without the unction and the power of your Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. John, the 15th chapter. John, the 15th chapter, beginning with verse 1. You recall this passage of Scripture was given by Jesus just prior to his going to the cross. These are the last words of Jesus to his disciples. John 15, beginning in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me or abide in me, and I will abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain or abide in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you 
that your joy may be complete. We've said many things about this passage of Scripture over the last year. And as I was waiting before the Lord for a message, he said to me, go back to John 15. I said, Lord, I can go back to John 15, but I have no new light on John 15. I can simply review what you've already told me about John 15, namely that God is asking every one of his children to step into a place of obedience. That place of obedience is called by Jesus a place of abiding, where I come and I I wait before God in specific areas where he has given to me the ability and the courage to stand in obedience to his word. And as I do that, I'm abiding in Jesus. Now, we've spoken of this. And we continue in the culture, if you please, of the National Prayer Chapel to refer to our abiding places. And of course, we've also shared that those abiding places are to grow in our lives until every part of our life is in an abiding place to Jesus Christ so that there is no place where I'm abiding in anything or anybody except in Jesus. I went all over that with Jesus. And I said, I don't have any further light to share. Would you please deepen this for me so I can understand what you're wanting me to share? And I waited before him. This happened last week. Normally, I have sermons laid out well in advance. But he told me to lay aside what I'd planned, to wait on him and to meditate on John, the 15th chapter. He did not answer that prayer until the early hours of this morning. And suddenly, he just unfolded a whole new understanding for me, a whole new depth of John 15. I have to confess to you what he shared with me was frightening. I pray it will be equally frightening to you. Now, part of the problem is that once you've heard this word, you're accountable for it. Once the Holy Spirit opens something at a deeper level, he expects us then to step into that. And if we don't step into that, we begin to grieve him from us and the Holy Spirit begins to withdraw until we're willing to step into obedience to what he's told us. This is a frightening word already to some of you because the Holy Spirit is already withdrawn and is not speaking to your heart as he did at one time because you've walked into rebellion and you've been disobedient to the Lord. I tell you, we need to do serious time in the prayer closet getting everything clean before God. He wants us to be washed in his blood, not washed in psychology, not washed in sociology, not washed in the ways of the world. He wants us to be washed in the blood. He doesn't want us to be washed in entertainment or fun. He doesn't want us to be washed in what we believe. He wants us to be washed in his blood. And when we step into that obedience, his spirit is quickened in our hearts and is fanned to life, the flame 
grows larger in our hearts. He said, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. He's speaking here about people who have made a commitment to Jesus Christ. These are not wild shoots out connected to the world. These are God's people he's speaking about. You remember Paul in the book of Romans addresses this issue. He says, some of the Jewish branches were broken off and you were grafted in. You were grafted in. And then he says, but be very careful because if you were grafted in, you can be broken off. So don't be proud against the Jewish people, those who were broken off, because you too can be broken off. So live with fear and trembling before God. And so he's saying, every branch in me that bears no fruit will be cut off. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. What he began to say to me was, no person who is still gaining sustenance from the world can be grafted into me. No person who is still gaining sustenance from the world can be grafted into me. You cannot be grafted into the world or the devil and Jesus at the same time. And when that sharp knife of the spirit of conviction comes into our heart and it cuts us off from the world, it cuts us off completely from the world. And only after we've been cut off completely from the world can we be then grafted into Jesus Christ. Now, all of you probably will bear testimony with me that this did not happen overnight in your life. And for some of you, it still has not totally happened. Because we want to maintain that grip on those things in the world that have given us comfort and nurturance. And at the same time, we're saying, but would you graft me into Jesus? So we want to have half grafted into the world and half grafted into Jesus. He's saying, no, it doesn't work that way. In other words, what he's describing is what the psalmist described as the Valley of Baca. It is that place of weeping where you're cut off from the world and you feel like you're dying and you're not grafted in yet to Jesus. And so there's that in-between place where you desperately struggle, you agonize before God. This is what the old-timers used to refer to as tearing tearing before God. 
You recall the AME Church was founded for the sole purpose that black people would be allowed to tarry before God because they couldn't go in the white church and tarry at the altar. They were discriminated against. So the whole church was founded just for the purpose of tearing before God. They knew something. They had a wonderful secret in their heart. And that was that salvation is found in tearing before God until this cutting off is completely finished and this grafting in can be done. Today, the whole church has forgotten about tearing before God. We don't know how to do it. We've substituted it instead for an altar call because the altar call is quite economical in terms of time. You can come forward, you can have the pastor pray for you, and then you're home free. I mean, it fits with our lifestyle. Tearing doesn't fit with our lifestyle. We want everything done in 15, 30 minutes. We want it over with. Let's go on to the next step. But what I'm trying to talk to you about today isn't done quickly. It's done as we tarry before God and we do business with the Holy Spirit as he cuts us off from the world. Now this place that is gained by grace is this place of abiding in Jesus where the world is cut off. Now some of you are experiencing this even now as I speak. It feels like death. Do you know why it feels like death? It is death. It is death. It is death. It is being cut off from those things that all of our life has sustained us and given us the courage to face tomorrow. And we're saying, now we accept that Jesus Christ will be our tomorrow, that Jesus Christ will be everything we need. He will supply every need of our heart. We are going to put our trust solely in Jesus Christ. No longer will we put our trust in our jobs. No longer will we put our trust in retirement checks. No longer will we put our trust in what we know or our abilities. We're not going to put our trust there anymore. We're going to put our trust in the living Lord Jesus Christ because he reigns on high at the right hand of the Father. And my trust is in him. It's not in an institution. It's not in a building. It's not in a theology. It is not in what I have in the world. It is what I have at the right hand of the Father, and his name is Jesus. I said, okay, Lord, I can say that. Is that all you want me to say? That'll be a short sermon. That's all right. We'll tarry. And then he said something to me that caused my soul to be terrified. I'll begin again. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. 
remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the true vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I said, yes, Lord. What are you saying to me? He asked me a question. Have you ever seen a vine or a branch eat its own fruit? I've never seen a, I've never seen a vine eating its fruit. Have you? I said, Lord, what are you talking about? He reminded me, passage of scripture back here in Matthew, the fourth chapter. Keep your finger right there in John. We're coming back. Matthew, the fourth chapter, verse one. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What was the temptation that the devil was bringing to Jesus? It was to eat his own fruit. It was to say, Jesus now has the power to create for himself his own food. So this is the fruit that Jesus is going to bear. He's going to bear bread. Now, Jesus, eat the fruit that you have borne. Because now you are not dependent upon the Father anymore. You have the ability to create fruit that you can feed on. So create for yourself your own food and be self-sufficient. And Jesus said, no, I will not do that. Man is to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now what would happen in your life and my life if we stopped eating our own fruit and we began to recognize that the fruit of our life is for the poor? The fruit of our life is for the lost and the dying. The reason there is so little ministry to the lost and the dying is because we're like a great grocery store. Here's all the food we've produced. Now let's have a feast. There's nothing left for the lost and the dying. It's all been consumed on ourselves and for ourselves. And the Lord has said to me, you are to utterly, totally, and completely give up eating any of your fruit. And when you stop eating all of your fruit, you will then bear much fruit. Well, I didn't understand what he was saying to me yet. The windows of heaven were still closed for me. I'm saying, Lord... What is this? What is this? How do I eat my fruit? And he began to speak with me about my past. Where I actually believed 
that if I went to work and I earned my money, it was my money. And now I would use my money to buy my food and my house and my car and my enjoyment and my pleasure. Sure, I'm willing to give God 10% of my money. I'm willing to give God out of my fruit, but it's my fruit. Look at this day. I, I have this day to rest. I've earned it. I've earned this day of rest. I've worked hard, and I have produced what is necessary to give me this day of rest. And so this is my day to rest. These are my children. I have supported my children. And now I have grandchildren. They're my grandchildren. I earned them. Who's going to take care of me in my old age if it's not my kids and my grandkids? Isn't that why you have kids? So they'll take care of you? You're eating your own fruit. You're putting your trust in your family. Or else you've said, no, I don't need my kids to take care of me. I've laid up enough. My barn is full. I have enough money to take me right on through, and I've got Social Security to supplement it. And I earned that Social Security, by the way. I paid in. It's not charity. I paid in. I deserve to get my Social Security. Don't. Don't try to take it away from me. Mr. Government, I'm going to be mad if you take away my Social Security. It's eating your own fruit. Begin to say, Lord, how do I live if I don't eat my fruit? All I have is what I've produced. I mean, isn't that the American way? I work hard and I play hard. And that's been my motto all my life. Work hard and play hard. Live with the zest of life. Go for it. I even used to believe at one time that the man who had the most toys when he died won. Some of you still believe that. And you're mad because you don't have all the toys. I began to pray into this and say, Lord, would you show me? Would you show me? If my sustenance comes from Almighty God, if my sustenance comes from Jesus, isn't he enough for me? And when he brings money into my hand, it's no longer money that I have earned. It's no longer my money. It's the Lord's money. I no longer have time. It's the Lord's time. I no longer have a reputation. It's the Lord's reputation. And now I no longer have a right to claim as my fruit any part of this world. Because when I got on that altar of burnt offering, 
I became a living martyr unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And all that I possess belongs to him. I no longer possess it. I don't even possess my life. My life belongs to Jesus. It's all his. And he has a right now to use it in any way he sees fit to use it. He has a right to use the money I used to claim as my money. He has a right to use it as he chooses now because it's his money. His time, his children, his grandchildren. This woman sitting on the front is no longer my wife. She's Jesus' wife. He simply allows us to be bonded together in his name as a symbol of what his relationship is with the church. I'm under the authority now of Jesus Christ. I'm not a man of independence. I'm not a man who can go where he chooses to go when he chooses to go. I'm not a man who can wake up in the morning and say, what shall I do with my wonderful day? It's not my day anymore. It's his day. It belongs to Jesus. I no longer can walk through the store and say, my money, what do I feel like today? I have to tell you, I was walking through the mall at the Lord's command this last week. And I came by this ice cream shop. And I said, I want an ice cream. <laughs> I reached in my pocket. I had the money. I walked over to that ice cream shop. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, what are you doing here? Get on down the mall praying like I told you. Lord, I don't want to pray in this mall. I want to eat ice cream. I mean, I've fasted long enough, haven't I? I've been off sugar now long enough, haven't I? I've been eating these vegetables long enough, haven't I? How about some ice cream? Lord didn't say a word. I shrugged my shoulders. I said, all right. And I walked on down the mall trying to pray. <laughs> you ever try to pray with an attitude? Yeah. It's hard to pray with an attitude. All you can say is, Lord, forgive me. Now, maybe the Lord's not going to deal with you on ice cream. If he hasn't, he will. He's going to deal with everything. He's going to deal with the television. He's going to deal with the radio. He's going to deal with the internet. He's going to deal with everything you've claimed as your own and everything that you have sought out as a source of comfort and nurturance in the world. Jesus has a concern about it because Jesus wants to be your nurturance. Jesus wants to be your food. Jesus wants to be everything for you. And when you go off on your own and you say, hey, I earned the money, I'll spend it as I choose. You're in trouble with Jesus. You're in trouble with Jesus. His Holy Spirit is grieved. He'll stop speaking to you. 
And then you'll begin to just practice religion. You'll go through the motions. You're not going to be walking in the fire of the Holy Ghost. That fire of the Holy Ghost only comes as that flow of sap from that vine fills you until your very skin tingles with the presence of the Holy Ghost as he floods into you and orders your steps and arranges your days with no arrogance and no pride, saying, I'll eat my own fruit, thank you very much. Oh, the Lord wants to bear much fruit from our lives. He wants to bear the fruit of the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. He wants to bear the lives of men and women brought to the cross, confessing their sin, repenting of their wickedness. He wants to do all kinds of things, wants to bring forth much fruit in our lives. But as long as we're consuming the fruit, he's grieved and will not bless us, cannot bless us. Anything you eat, anything you wear, anything you buy, anything you desire needs to come to you from the heart of Jesus Christ. Not from the heart of the devil and the world. Now, does this mean you're not going to earn money? Of course you're going to earn money. But you're going to have to recognize that that money isn't yours. It's not for your security. It's not for your future. It's for the kingdom of Almighty God to be used as He tells you to use it. To be spent as He tells you to spend it. And if you're standing and you have a hundred dollar bill in your pocket, and he tells you, you take that $100 bill, and that's all you've got, and he tells you, you take that $100 bill, and you go give it to that person. Be on your way to give it to him right then. Be on your way to give it to him right then. Because there is no shortage of $100 bills in the kingdom of God. There's just a shortage of men and women who are willing to give up ownership of those things that belong to Jesus Christ so that he can use you and I as channels to flow through to save the lost and the dying. There's no shortage of money, but today we prostituted that and said, God wants me to have that fruit. He wants me to have that Cadillac. He wants me to have that house. He wants me to have, give me the money, Jesus. What a prostituted lie from hell. Now, does that mean God wants you to walk around in tatters? In poverty? Well, maybe. <laughs> Some he has had do that. There are many in the scripture that the Lord had walked that way. He told Isaiah, take off all your clothes and walk naked. Three years. 
So don't be thinking as soon as you come to Jesus, everything is going to be comfortable. Jesus never promised it would be comfortable. He said it would be secure. That nobody could take us out of his hand. That didn't mean we were going to have a picnic in his hand. At the offertory, was spoken about the, the fire. Jesus is going to take us into some fire. The promise is the fire is not going to consume us. He's going to take us through some floods. The promise is it won't go over our heads. But I've also seen the Lord's hand move time after time in awesome provision for God's people. Picking us up and carrying us in his hand, in his mercy. Physically. At the cross, Jesus promised that he would forgive us for our sins. He promised that he would give us victory over our sins so that we no longer continue to walk in them. And he promised us a third thing, healing for our bodies. That's what was promised to us. Forgiveness of our sins, victory over our sins, and healing of our bodies. And he said, my body is real food, and my blood is real drink. We've sinned against the Lord by eating our own fruit. The Lord wants that fruit laid back on the altar, submitted to Jesus Christ. He's laying a claim today on your time, on your money, on your thoughts. He's laying claim to you today. And you have only two choices. You can continue to feed off the things that have given you strength from the world, or you can make the transition by tearing before God. And you can gain a place by grace in Jesus Christ. Where now he's going to carry you. He's going to be responsible for you. He's going to provide for you food and shelter. He's going to provide for you healing. He's going to provide for you victory over every sin and temptation. He's going to give you forgiveness for all of your sins. He's going to flow with the Holy Spirit's power into your very being. But you're not going to be allowed to have the devil and Jesus too. You can't have both. And much of the pain that we suffer is caused because we are trying to dwell eternally in the in-between place. We're trying to cut off a little of the devil, and we're trying to be connected a little to Jesus. And that is the most exquisitely painful place any human being can dwell in. And I would urge you, don't dwell in that place. Tarry in the Holy Spirit and gain the victory, and come through totally surrendered and allowing Jesus to be your sufficiency. 
letting the blood cover you, letting go of every animosity, every anger, every issue, every bitterness, letting go of everything and entering in fully to the body of Jesus Christ. He said in verse 7, if you remain in me, if you abide in me, if you live in me, if you have your dwelling place in me, and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. Is your prayer not being answered? Then it's because there's a faulty connection with Jesus that has to be repaired. That's what that tearing time is for. I confess today I have never heard of or seen any case in which the Lord Jesus would not answer a prayer for a person who was grafted into the vine. Always he answers that prayer. And he is no respecter of persons. He will meet you. He will give to you the same as he has given to every other son and daughter throughout the history of the church. If you will allow him to cut you off fully and completely from the world, and allow him to graft you fully and completely into the vine, that the nourishing sap would flow through you, that you would give up all ownership of the fruit, that it would be all for the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Almighty God, I ask you now to quicken this word in our hearts, I ask you to show us, to point out for us where we are consuming our own fruit. I ask, Lord, that the fruit of this fellowship could be for the lost and the dying. I ask, Lord, that it would be as the bread broken that fed the 5,000, that it would be multiplied in your hands, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. May I eat only of your broken body and drink only of your spilled blood. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.
to fulfill your purpose in my life. I submit to you, my King. Be my everything. I'm coming to
Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195, or visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you. Lord, we're praying for this city. Looking down from the hill Praying for revival here Oh, let our hearts be filled For the people of this city, Lord United we will Holy Spirit, fill this land Let revival come Let revival come Let revival come Let revival come to this city To this city Summer turns to winter Every season brings a change So we lay our lives before you Just waiting for that day Love deeper than the ocean Wider Revival song of heaven in the name of Jesus Christ. Let revival come, let revival come, let revival come. To this city Let